If you want to write a book and become a best-selling author, you're in the right place. At Elite Online Publishing, we can help you create, publish, and market your book so that it becomes a number one bestseller. We work with a limited number of authors to ensure that they receive the best possible service. So if you want to learn how to write and publish a book that will empower you to smartly grow your brand, business, and credibility, apply today. We look forward to working with you. Hey everyone, it's Melanie Johnson. Thanks for joining us today. I'm with my co-founder and CEO of Elite Online Publishing, Jen Foster. Hey, Jen. Hey guys, how's everyone doing today? I hope they're all doing great. We have an exciting podcast. As some of you may know, we are in the publishing business and we love books and authors and everything to do with writing, publishing, marketing. And today we have a famous ghostwriter and also does some publishing as well from Jumpstart Book Creation. And uh, Shirley Jump is joining us today. And so if you're curious about writing books, publishing books, what it takes to be a bestseller, you're in the right place. Tell us, Shirley, how did you start? Like, how did you get into writing in your very first book? So I got into writing by lying about my age when I was a kid. I My family sponsored a family from Laos, and it was pretty life-changing to have three people in our house that didn't speak English. So I wrote this little essay about it. And I'm old enough that my dad's secretary typed it up because this was before computers. And we sent it into the local newspaper. They bought it and did a story on me and my family. And I was like, I want to be Jane Polly. And so I called the local weekly paper, which was a much smaller paper. And in those days, you didn't meet anybody in person. And I pitched a story over the phone to them about no nukes group at the local Methodist church. And they asked if I was in high school. And I lied and said yes. And I was only 11. It was March of my eighth grade year. And I got a job as a journalist and learned within about five or six years that I did not have drive to be Geraldo Rivera finding Jimmy Hoffa's body or <laughs> knocking on people's doors. I remember interviewing my high school history teacher's wife when he died of a heart attack while he was driving the family on vacation. And I felt like the world's lowest piece of scum. And I realized I didn't have the stomach to do that. So I went to work for a publicist and I did some ghostwriting. That's when I started doing ghostwriting for one of the people on Antiques Roadshow and some other people. And my first book contract came out of one of those clients that I did a piece on. And he said I was the only one that had ever gotten everything right. And so he had a book contract that he needed somebody to write. And that's where my first nonfiction book came about. But all along, I always wanted to write fiction. I wanted to be in control of my story. I just wasn't very good at it in the beginning. I wrote 10 books in eight years before I sold my first one because it was a, it's a huge, as I'm sure you guys know, it's a huge learning curve to go from nonfiction to fiction. Nonfiction is very linear, thousand words, three sources. Fiction is written entirely from your gut. And it was very hard for me to learn to let go of my head and think, listen to my gut. And so it took me a lot. Wow. So when giving an advice for starting with an author, and how do you know they need, some authors we work with, they're like, oh, I definitely have to have a ghostwriter. And some of them are pretty good at writing. So how do you direct an author when you first interview them of how they, where you're going to fit in the piece of the puzzle of what they might need from you? So my background allows me to be pretty, um, pretty flexible and nimble with whatever they need. And I adapt my process to their process. Mm. And the biggest thing that I find is that most people have a really great story, but they have no idea about the structure of how books work. And I liken it to a house. A house has a frame and a roof and a basement. But if I threw a bunch of wood on the ground and said, go build a house, you know how one looks, but you don't really understand the structure. And so a good ghostwriter not only sounds like the client, but also 
has an eye all the time on compelling structure to make the book interesting from the first page to the last. Mm -hmm. That compelling factor of the storytelling really plays in because especially what is it the, I can't think of his name right now, but the, is it Tarantino? Tarantino? Tarantino. Yeah. (laughs) He has a specific way that he does his movies. And if you have that compelling way, then you're going to get a lot more readers. I believe that, especially now that I'm in my 50s, I strongly believe that when a reader picks up one of my books, either a book I've worked on or one that I've written, they're giving me hours of their life. Those are hours they're not spending with their grandmother, with their kids, with their spouse or with their job. Those hours they're giving to me and they're very precious the older you get. So I want to make sure that every minute that they're spending with me is worth it. So we try to never waste a single word and to make everything give some kind of an impact to the reader, regardless of whether it's fiction or nonfiction. Like we say, impact to the reader, what's the the compelling things that need to go, let's focus just on nonfiction for a minute, that need to be in everybody's nonfiction book? Is there a certain formula? Is there something that you have to have this? We always say it should be about story. What's your philosophy on that? I think it should be transformative. There's got to be a connection with the reader. And I've worked on books about recovering from drugs and alcohol. I've worked on books about somebody who was in jail. I've worked on how-to books and self-help books. All of them have two common elements. One, a story that binds the reader to the author, regardless of whether they're famous or not. And as a ghostwriter, for some people that are quite well-known that I can't talk about, it's sometimes difficult to build that bond with the reader because to the reader, they're like, you have, you're on the cover of this magazine, you're clearly rich, and they don't get it. So my job is always to bring in that connection through story. And then at the end, deliver something transformative so that when you pick up a book, you learn about this person, you learn about this topic but you have something to take away and do afterwards. My biggest complaint about nonfiction books that I read is that they tell me what's wrong with me, but they don't tell me how to fix it. (laughs) I always want something that the reader can do afterwards. It doesn't have to be action steps per se, but I want them to take Mm -hmm. away something that they can change in their lives that will make it richer and better. I like that. Let's switch gears really quick and talk about the difference between traditional publishing and self-publishing, because I know that you have a lot of fiction books and a lot of contracts that you've done with traditional publishers. And then you also have published books under your own publishing arm. So tell us a little bit about the main differences that you found in traditional versus self-publishing. I just filled out the Authors Guild survey about how it has changed since 2018. And the industry has changed significantly since the advent of ebooks, especially in self-publishing. I've I've worked for four of the big five in New York. So I've worked for Berkeley and Heche and HarperCollins and Houghton Mifflin and a bunch of others over the course of the 30 years I've been in the industry. Um, And in the beginning, it was the only way to get published. But I also wanted that cachet of being with a major publisher, not a small publisher. And I found over the years that I like the dependability of a traditional contract with the flexibility of self-publishing. So I continue to publish both because with a traditional publisher, I know what my advance is going to be. I know what my royalties will be within a few thousand dollars. I can usually predict them. And I know that my agents out there selling the audio, ebook and movie rights or whatever, um, Whereas with self-publishing, I'm more in the driver's seat, but I also have to manage that a lot more. My my happy place is just making up words. <laughs> and I don't really want to manage that part. So keeping a mix between the two makes it easier for me. And there's pluses and minuses to both. You're marketing regardless. My I'm a New York Times, USA Today, and Amazon bestselling author multiple times over. 
And when I get my marketing package from the marketing department at a major publisher, I get a meme and maybe a podcast interview. And they're like, good luck with that. Let's hope you sell out. And (laughs) they're not doing a whole lot for me either. So I explain to all of my clients that it doesn't matter which route you take, you still have to do marketing. Mm -hmm. And I do write traditional for traditional publishers, for my ghostwriting clients. I put together nonfiction proposals and get them to agents and then they sell them to traditional houses as well as self-publishing. Do you feel like traditional houses are becoming kind of antiquated? I almost feel like they're kind of blockbuster in a way that there's new technologies, new things happening, even innovative things that I see are happening on Amazon and they haven't caught up yet. What do you think about that? Uh, the difference between a speedboat and a cruise ship. It takes a lot more to turn that cruise ship and turn it in that direction. And I remember arguing with one of my publishers at an annual conference, they would have a open house with the authors for us to ask them questions. And we would all argue with them about how to market on Amazon. And for years, they were like, ah, oh, the readers aren't really there. <laughs> like, yeah, they are. We're there. Everybody else is. But I think that traditional publishing is coming around to it. And COVID helped boost the book industry in a number of ways. I know I went and bought a ton of books because I had a lot more free time than I normally did. And I think that the traditional publishing is starting to respond to that. Do they take advantage of pricing and marketing and advertising as much as they should? Absolutely not. They're Mm -hmm. still stuck in that same old way of doing business, but it does. They're still in business. They've still got giant buildings in Manhattan. What do you think about the owning your intellectual property? Even though they say it's yours, we have found with working with some authors that have been traditionally published, they really don't have the control that they think they do over their intellectual property. Even one author recently, she wanted her book published in paperback and they told her, no, we're not going to do a print run in paperback. And she wanted to use part of the material in different promotional ways and they wouldn't allow it. They weren't on the same page as her. You know, the difference for me, a lot of it is that self-publishing and whether you do it yourself or you have a company like us do it or you do it is that you're owning your intellectual property. If you look at Taylor Swift, had all those problems with the record company. She went back and re-recorded all of her songs just so she was in control of her intellectual Mm -hmm. property. So I think that comes from two different things, understanding how publishing works. Nobody understands how publishing works unless they're inside. It is such a weird model for business. It doesn't work like any other business except for the music industry. And so you got to understand how the industry works. And if you're going to traditionally publish, you really should have an agent, even if you're just going with a little small house, because the agent is there to look out for those rights for you. And I've had many years ago, I had an argument about sharing part of a book and my agent intervened and allowed had some kind of a contract amendment where I could take that excerpt that I needed and I I don't remember what it was for as many years ago but you need to be knowledgeable no matter which way you go and you need to have good representation or make good choices with what you do be on top of the intellectual property when my rights come up for reversion I'm right on there requesting them because they're not doing anything with my book at that point eight seven eight whatever years later And so I want to get them back. And some of them I've resold to other publishers. Some of them I've republished. Some of them I'm just sitting on waiting for other books to become available. That's really smart because again, this other author, she had other books that she was New York Times bestseller and they weren't going to do any more print runs. She had a new book coming out and the other books out of print. And they're, you need to do a reprint because those will sell because this is a new book. The other ones will sell. And they're like, no, we're not making that investment. We're not doing another print run. But that's good advice to tell someone, mm-hmm. look and see what the contract says. Can you buy the books back? Or can you, is the contract maybe even expired and they don't even know it? So it's good right. advice. 
-hmm. a lot of times it's based on sales as well. If they sell less than say 250 copies a year, then you can request reversion early. Mm -hmm. You really just got to be as smart about that as you are with anything else in your life. You can't just play dumb with that because this is your, your intellectual property. Like you said, your story, your book, and you need to be on top of it. If you're not, nobody else is. So let's switch gears and talk a little bit about licensing in other countries. Cause I know you had said that some of your fiction books that you've written are in 24 different countries. So are those in other languages or just in English or tell us a little bit about how that process worked? I'm published in 24 languages. Some of them I don't even understand. <laughs> I'll get a foreign edition. And I can't even translate the copyright. So I'm not even sure what country it is. I remember getting a South African one one time and it took me like a month to figure out which country that was. And that's been really interesting, actually, because you can see how poor some countries are, like my Russian copies and my Indonesian copies. Clearly, they're selling them for very little money because the paper is thinner, the cover is thinner, the words are smooshed together more, so the books are shorter. My agent negotiates my foreign rights deals. I haven't done those for my self-published books because I just don't feel like doing that. So yeah. Again, I like to but write your the agent's words. Job, I don't care so about let her the do rest. it. <laughs> right. Yeah, and my agent negotiates those deals. The publisher hires a translator, and generally, the translator gets a portion of the royalties. And sometimes, the company there was a Japanese company that bought several of my books. They just pay me an outright flat fee and then keep them for a year or two and then give them. So do you need an agent to represent you to sell foreign rights? That's because it's hard as an individual and the author to start pitching your book. Would you recommend that they find an agent first and then the agent will pitch it to all these different countries? If your book has sold well in, in English or whatever your first language is, because agents are like car dealers, they're not going to take a 2005 Honda sedan with 250,000 miles on it and try to get a premium price for it in a dealership. They can, just can't do that. I had somebody come to me, actually two people in the same week who had books that were 10 years old that each had one review on Amazon and were ranked at like number 7 million or something. And they're like, I don't understand why an agent won't pick me up. And I'm like, because you have no sales. They're salespeople who need to have something that they can sell. So if you have really good North American sales, and you want to get an agent and sell it to other countries, which I recommend because then you're going through reputable publishing companies with reputable translators. You hire somebody off of Fiverr, you have no idea what they're putting in that foreign language. Yeah. Then they'll have something to work with. They have a valuable product that the foreign publisher will go, oh, look, it sold a million copies in the US. We're taking it for Germany or whatever it happens to be. And what's the definition of good sales? An author may say, how many books do I need to sell on a regular basis? What ranking right. do I need to have on Amazon to constitute for an agent to pick me up? Do you know what those numbers are? I knew those magic numbers would transform everybody's career. Nobody knows. So you can be in a small category, say business etiquette and sell 5,000 copies. And that can seem like really good numbers to a publisher because there's no other business etiquette books out there. So it's easy for them to sell it. But you can be in the Tony Robbins type space and sell 5,000 books. And they're like, we're not going to be able to sell that because you're up against Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. Depends on your category. It depends on your, and more than anything, it depends on your social media followers and your marketability. When I go to a publisher with a traditional book proposal for a nonfiction client, they want people that have 40, 50, 60 plus thousand followers on social media. They know that is the quickest way to get to the reader. They're not as concerned about sales as they are about marketability. Which leads to the next question, which is the marketing. What have you found to be the best ways to market? It changes all the time. TikTok has blown up in the last four or five years. So what do you find is the best way to market as a author? That turns into books. 
Yeah, that turns so into sales. That knows what, for me, it's pay somebody that knows what they're doing. I hate marketing. Yeah. I used to work mm-hmm. for a marketing agency. I was a director of communications there. And I would rather chew off my own arm than ever go back to marketing. I hate the, the industry so much and I hate doing it. And I hate marketing myself to begin yeah. with. So I would much rather pay somebody to do it. But you want to look for somebody reputable because a lot of these packages, my clients will send me a package that they've got from a book marketing company. And I'll go through it. And I'm if you don't know anything about the industry, then you don't know you can do this yourself. This is not worth the money that they're charging. This is a BS thing that they can't do. They can promise the moon, but they can't actually do this. So you've got to understand the industry enough to be able to read the package that you're getting from a book marketing company and know if it's worth your while. But do you know Mm -hmm. anything specifically that you've seen results in? People ask us to do Amazon ads all the time. And when we have done experiments with Amazon ads, it's really a wash. You're not really making money on it. Your book sales are eh, on those ads. So what are you finding that you've seen that your marketing company is doing for you that actually results in tipping the needle? BookBub has been really successful for me and Goodreads has been. And it's still, a lot of it is still building relationships with the readers because I'm in women's fiction romance. And so those people are very loyal and they will buy anything mm-hmm. I write. And it's all about maintaining that. So the more that I'm plugged into my social media and connecting with those people, the better off all of the other efforts will be. So it's a bunch of different things all at once. I'm not really concentrating on as as much because I've got the business is taking off and doing really well. And so I have not been as plugged into my fiction career as I should have been probably. Well, I think that's really make money here or make money in six months. I think that's really important for our listeners to understand because I think a lot of times authors, whether they're fiction or nonfiction, will think I'm going to get this book done and then I'm going to make a million dollars. And they're not thinking about what does it really take after the book is done. So just what you were just saying, like engaging with your readers, being on Goodreads, communicating with them on social media, engaging with them. It really does take your time and to connect with your readers so that you can get more readers or, or for the nonfiction so they can get their sales of whatever their book is selling for them. The one thing I tell my clients, and it was advice I got very early in my career is the only thing you can control in your publishing career is the quality of the book you put out. It truly is. You can have some input over your cover but you're not going to be a cover designer by trade generally or a formatter by trade. So the one thing that you can control is having the best possible, most compelling words you can from beginning to end so that you create a book that readers love and that they talk about to their friends. Because a lot of book publishing and a lot of getting the word out there is still word of mouth where people talk about it on social media or they talk about it at their book club or whatever and tell their friends they have to read it. And that's how a lot of these blockbuster authors have gotten to where they are. That's what we always tell our authors give books away. They're like, oh, I don't want to give away a book. I want to sell a book. But I said, imagine if you gave, you're going on an airplane and you gave 20 of your books to passengers just randomly, and they're all walking on the plane with your book. I remember seeing Eat, Pray, Love at an airport, like six people were carrying that book. And I'm like, what is that book? The cover. And it hadn't been a movie yet or anything. And I was like, wow, that must be popular. All these people have it. So Thing away turns into reviews, turns into more readers, turns into raving fans. So yeah, not to be afraid to do that for sure. I ran into a woman in an airport who bought my book in an airport bookstore and was reading it. And I'm like, hey, I'm the author of that. And she did not believe me. She thought like I was a stalker because I was like, no, seriously, I am that person. I'm Shirley Jump. And she wouldn't talk to me the rest of the flight. It was really funny. And then I've had other times where I've walked into a bookstore and seen somebody on the floor reading one of my, and told them, hey, I'm the author. Do you want me to sign it? And they're just like, oh my God, I love 
love you. So mm-hmm. it's a weird and humbling experience sometimes. Yes. But yeah, I give them away all the time. I have plenty of copies that I'll just give away because the best way to get to a new reader is to give them something for free because they're mm-hmm. not going to part with that 20 bucks if they don't know you or trust you yet. Yep. For yeah, sure. Thanks so much for being on the show. Tell us where people can go to find you and find your books and your publishing and writing offers. So all of the fiction is under Shirley Jump. You can follow me on Amazon or BookBub or Goodreads or my Shirley Jump author Facebook page. I also have a Shirley Jump website for the ghostwriting and book editing for nonfiction clients. That's on Jumpstart Creative Solutions. And I'm on LinkedIn. And then I also have a website for that. Terrific. Thanks for coming today. We hope that was helpful for all of you and inspired you to write your book. And don't be afraid if you need a ghostwriter. That's so many people use that. That's the way to go. And it compresses time and the book gets done for you and you can do other things that you love. So we'll see you next time. And if you're looking to write and publish a book and become a Wall Street Journal or an international bestselling author, just reach out to us at EliteOnlinePublishing.com and hit that author submission button. Have a great week, everyone. Bye. Bye. If you want to write a book and become a best-selling author, you're in the right place. At Elite Online Publishing, we can help you create, publish, and market your book so that it becomes a number one bestseller. We work with a limited number of authors to ensure that they receive the best possible service. So if you want to learn how to write and publish a book that will empower you to smartly grow your brand, business, and credibility, apply today. We look forward to working with you.